Good evening and welcome to another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoss, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter with me. As always, Tara Wellman from Birds of the Black and at Tara Wellman um, on Twitter. We are really kind of looking at a, a Cardinal team that doesn't necessarily work on the weekends, um, which is fine if you win all the games in the week, Tara, but... I'm just not sure how well this is going to work as a long-term pattern. Well, there are more weekdays than weekend days. This is true. So, theoretically, the math works out. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, they're playing the Nationals this week, but they don't have to face Max Scherzer. So, there's a possibility that, you know, this could keep going for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd be okay with it. I would be. Um, they're going to have to do something, though, because Cardinals now sit at, what, five and four um, after being blown out by the Brewers um, on another Sunday debacle. Um, you know, it, it's funny this last two weeks, you know, Alan and I record on Thursday night or Friday after a win and we're all excited. And then you and I come in on Sunday after they've <laughs> lost two games and it's a totally different tone. Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the offense that's sputtered and that's people that are not, you know, former MVP candidates, or do you want to start at the pitching staff that's got its own issues? Uh, well, I guess we can start with the pitching because it seems to be the story that we expected to potentially be. Well, I guess that's not true. We kind of expected both stories to, to some extent to show themselves throughout the early part of the season. But yeah, the pitching staff is not quite what we hoped it would be. Look, there are bright spots. There was a better start from Jack Flaherty. There was a, a reasonably acceptable start from Carlos Martinez, though probably not what we're all hoping for at some point. And then in the bullpen, there are bright spots with Jordan Hicks and Alex Reyes and Giovanni Gallegos. There are some real question marks and some real uh, not so successful moments for the other guys that would be part of that staff as well. And I think the vulnerabilities are showing in a way that we maybe hoped they wouldn't, but kind of expected they would it just seems to be a bit all or nothing at this point from the pitching staff as, as well as from the offense right the the same label i guess could be attached to some degree and uh the the fourth and fifth spots in the rotation while john gant kind of gritted his way through his first start daniel ponce Leone has not been quite so quite as successful as as I think the hope would be for him. But again, not entirely unpredictable in the sense that he was a bit of a question mark in that spot anyway. I mean, you could say it was so unpredictable that everybody said, go get another starter in <laughs> spring training. Right. Um, there is that. Um, yeah, I mean, possibly on first start on Monday, you know, one, it was against Marlin, so... There is a little bit of, you know, the Marlins are not a terrible team, but it's not necessarily the top-notch team that you could be going against. He went five innings, pitched pretty well, just used his fastball. Then today, boy, he come out after the game and he says, you know, I didn't have anything at all and my arm did not feel right. <laughs> and that's pretty proven when you give up seven runs in <laughs> a little over an inning. Yeah, um, a couple of home runs. Yeah, you know. Guess what? Big league hitters will will get you <laughs> if you don't have anything. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know what that even means, honestly. Do you? I mean, it doesn't sound like anybody's concerned about like any like armed trouble. But you know, if if five innings five days ago is a problem, or six days ago, or whatever it may have been now, um, creates that. How in the world is he going to be able to stay in the? I mean, and with KK coming back, it really feels like he's not going to stay in the starting rotation. Yeah, and I think as much as he's a, the competitor that wants to be a starter, I understand that. I really do, though, think that his best, uh, his his greatest ability to be an asset for this team is more of a bullpen type guy, just because then he's not trying to leverage those long innings into shorter innings the next time around and, and maybe trying to be too uh, pinpoint specific and overthrow some of those pitches that <laughs> when he's not just throwing fastballs and uh you know so I think he may be better served as a, a very effective bullpen guy anyway rather than trying to force the issue in the starting rotation once the Cardinals have other options but it's it's frustrating with him in a sense because we've seen that he's capable of stifling major league lineups We've also seen him look like he really had no business facing a major league lineup. So what you do with that in between and what the difference is in a game where he pitched pretty well and looked really, for the most part, effective, and the next game where he says he just didn't feel right... I mean, some of that is just the the normal ups and downs of a pitcher, right? You wake up and your arm's a little weird that day, or you just something's different about the way that you warm up, or you know you're just not feeling it the same. I, I don't know. It's all, um, it, it's all complicated in how you go about managing that, and and what you do to find the right use of a guy like that and how you help him go from one start to the next or one appearance to the next. And I, I think I, I feel like that I sort of muddled that all together, but it, th- that's sort of how I feel when I'm trying to figure out how to explain the idea of what to do with Ponce de Leon, especially in light of, like you said, KK coming back. Yeah, I mean... KK through, I think I said 90 pitches in a simulated game today. I think it's pretty notable that he seems to be on the same kind of, you know, schedule as, as Ponce. So it makes it easy to mm-hmm. slide KK in the next time around when, when Ponce comes up. It, Yeah, I mean, Mike Schilt apparently today hinted at the idea of throwing a sixth man into the rotation every once in a while. Part of me wonders why, when you're having trouble finding five guys that you're, you know, um, I, and I get that. I'm sure that's just, you know, kind of managing expectations, but we saw one Acevedo, Acevedo today look pretty good. I mean, he obviously had very good results. Um, part of that is, you know, a little bit of newness, but he's got more potential. I think the Cardinals would, would agree with that than either Ponce de Leon or Gant. Um, do you think that, today's outing is enough to you know slide him into the rotation or is this going to be a a, you know I I don't think he he's not going to be a guy that's going to sit in the bullpen and pitch one or two innings he's going to be that emergency guy if he sits there so hopefully he's not going to but it feels like 
after day, it'd be a waste to send him back down. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I was not able to watch any of today's games, so I didn't, I can't really speak firsthand to what I saw, but as far as him looking impressive and and everyone seeing that he can, again, is capable of getting major league hitters out, uh, you're right, I think the ceiling is higher there. I think the belief in him as a rotation guy is something that we saw and, and heard about even you know, last season. And so for Oviedo to step in when he has that opportunity, while it might not mean he slides into the rotation right now, I do think it reiterates that he's maybe that next guy up. And if you need, whether it's a sixth starter once once KK is back, or if you need someone to go four innings on the back end of a Gantt start, or, um, you know, however you want to schedule that, I think to your point, they may want it to be a bit more regular and a bit more scheduled than just whenever you need a long guy out of the bullpen. Um, although to this point, they've needed a long guy out of the bullpen more often than they haven't. <laughs> so, okay. you know, that that's not quite the, the mystery role that it is at other times. But I do think that anytime a guy like Oviedo can I wouldn't say open eyes because I think that the the eyes were already on him as a potential in that role. Um, but when you can confirm what the eye test has shown before <laughs> with results that that give you, um, you know, as the headlines say, an impressive <laughs> season debut, um, that's going to bode well for where you might find yourself used. Uh, as as quickly as they might need someone, which happens often these days, especially where the Cardinals are at rotating guys in and out of the pitching staff. Yeah, and here's here's to tell you how much I've blocked all out last year. Um, I got really confused when they kept saying that this was his first at bat this week uh, today, and I was like, <laughs> he pitched five innings last year. He surely had some at bats and. Yeah, forgot that whole DH thing. Um, but, you know, it was kind of nice to see him produce there. I mean, he drove in the first run with the, the ground out. So, um, which we, again, we'll get to the hitters later, but he's a little bit better than some of those guys. Um, I don't know. You're right. I, I think that there's going to have to be some mixing and matching. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how long <clears throat> the Cardinals run with some of these guys, um, mainly in the rotation. I think for the most part for me, and, and maybe this is just me, the bullpen, you've got the guys like Hicks, like Reyes, like Gallegos that you can trust completely. The others, I mean, you're going to have good days and you're going to have some bad days. Alec, yeah. You know, Andrew Miller has looked pretty good at times, gave up a big home run yesterday. Um, you know, Cabrera has looked really good, gave up a home run today in that late inning situation. Um, Tyler Webb, same type of thing is, I mean, I don't know what you do with guys like that um, that are still good, but not 100% good. I mean, you just kind of roll the dice every time, right? Yeah, and I think every bullpen has those guys. I think every team has a collection of guys in the bullpen that they really would like to rely on in the most important innings. And then another group of guys that are certainly capable, not to take away anything from what they are able to do, but they're not consistent in replicating that every time out. I think what's frustrating to some degree is the, the Andrew Miller types, right? Where 
they were brought in to be that consistent guy and they have not shown especially in in Miller's case he's not really shown himself capable of of being that again like he he was years ago and that's you know that just may be the reality of Andrew Miller these days and and that's frustrating i i think from the the viewer's perspective of seeing okay this was this was your big play this was supposed to be the guy that came in and and fit the filled the missing piece right and it hasn't worked out that way. But you're right. They do have a really solid core group of guys that has been everything you have hoped that they would be. And I guess in my mind, the way that you kind of start to manage that group is try to have those guys in the games that you're, you know, closest to winning, I guess, in terms of you, know, you don't necessarily want Alex Reyes or Jordan Hicks pitching in a blowout, although we did see Jordan Hicks in a game earlier in the week that he probably didn't need to be in, but because of the program that they have him on, once they get him up and, and he's warmed up, there's that it, it counts as a pitching day, so he might as well get in the game. And I understand that too. But, you know, the 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 challenge is then in games that are close enough to win you you get a bad Tyler Webb outing and all of a sudden they're not close enough to win. You get a bad Andrew Miller outing and, well, there's the end of that one. Whereas if they're on their game, then you have just as great a shot at coming back and winning that game and then using the Alex Reyes or the Jordan Hicks or the Giovanni Gallegos to secure the win that you would hope for. So it is a little mix and match. It is a little bit, you know, make a decision and hold your breath at this point with some of those other options. And uh, the, the it's early um, narrative will only last so long. And the Cardinals are going to have to figure out if those are the pieces that are going to make them most successful or if there are other options, because look what the Cardinals do really well is <laughs> have a, a, a perpetual cycle of new pitching options available to them. And they maybe don't have as many as they've had in the past. Of course, with we've talked about it, Austin Gomber gone, Luke Weaver gone. Uh, some of those others that have been up and down throughout the years that gave them a little more depth than they have now. Um, but, you know, if if Ryan Helsley continues to struggle, you may have to send him down once the minor league season gets underway and have him work out some of those kinks in AAA, not on a major league roster, and see who else you can give that spot to. Because eventually those innings aren't going to be in a blowout where the starting pitcher already gave up six runs, right? Those are going to be innings that they need to be as clean as possible to work in harmony with the Alex Reyes and Jordan Hicks and Giovanni Gallegos type innings that they feel like they can count on as it is. Yeah. And I think that's, it's probably telling again in the early going, the Cardinals haven't lost a close game. You know, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, two weeks ago, the Saturday game against the Reds was like a nine to six game, but they got down big and made a little bit of a comeback, but they haven't, you know, if it's a three to two game, they've been fortunate enough, good enough to, to win that. And that's partly because you can use the Gallegos and the Reyes and the Hicks and things like that to secure that. If your starting pitcher has pitched well enough, um, which gets us back to that whole, you know, you've got to have starting pitching pitch well enough. Um, and that's, you know, something they've got to kind of figure out because, you, you know, it's nice to have Flaherty 
back on track, obviously. And, and Adam Wainwright looked better his second time out. And we did get a, you know, even both of Carlos Martinez's starts have been serviceable, if if not necessarily great. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can just figure out a way, and hopefully KK solidifies a little bit of that fourth spot. And who knows? Miles Michaelis, you know, in theory could be back by, you know, in about a month from now which is only what three or four starts there out of that um, fifth spot from there. So I'm not really confident on miles coming back at that point in time, but you know, the Cardinals seem to talk like that. Um, I, I don't know. I think that'll be something if they can stabilize that, then, you know, it does feel like that bullpen. You can kind of pick your poisons at times and put guys like Miller into a spot that maybe isn't quite as high leverage so that if he is having a rough day, maybe you can take him out before it gets out of hand. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's something for, for Mike Schilt to deal with. <laughs> um, it also helps if the offense scores them some runs. And it's really a tale of two offenses right now. It's it's the first, well, the first three guys <laughs> in Edmund and Goldschmidt and Arenado. And then, you know, a little bit of Yadier Molina and the occasional Dylan Carlson versus everybody else that is basically a black hole. Paul DeYoung, uh Tyler O'Neill before he got hurt and went on the on the DL. Um, you know, Austin Dean hit a home run in the, the blowout, but you know, pretty much anybody that's playing right field has struggled. Um and what do you do? I mean, does does a lineup shuffle? We've seen Molina move up to four today. Does a lineup shuffle fix these problems? Does is there a way to fix these problems? Uh, no, I don't think a lineup shuffle solves these problems. Unless, you know, you want to take the chance at moving Dylan Carlson up. He's looked pretty good at times. Um, so there is some thought to that. You know, Paul DeYoung started off the season in the opener so strong that it was funny because I had already been questioning, as many people had, his spot at a cleanup and how I don't really think he's he's uh, I don't think he's a cleanup hitter. I don't think that's the best role for him. And then he started off with such a bang that it was like, oh, right. okay, maybe maybe he's going to, you know, try to prove us all wrong and, and do something with this spot after all, which, of course, you cannot determine after one or two or even five games of 162 on a season but since then you're right not a whole lot going on in that spot or others so yeah it's nice to see out your Molina still contributing offensively but you need guys up and down not just one guy stashed in the middle of the lineup somewhere that can occasionally hit situationally and, and drive in some runs um, I think the the big swings from Dylan Carlson are a lot of fun. Uh, I would also like to see maybe a little more in between than just the all or nothing of the the Dylan Carlson home run uh, or the Dylan Carlson strikeout, and uh, that's part of the the learning process for him there too. So, yeah, there is there there are holes in this lineup outside of the very top of it, which has been fun and exciting. But when you think about it, you have, as much as Dexter Fowler struggled at times, he also was a spark plug at times for the offense last year. You don't have Dexter Fowler. Same thing can be said about Colton Wong. And as much as Tommy Edmond is playing the part and doing so fairly well at this point, the the absence of Colton Wong takes away one other guy from the lineup that was 
often a significant piece of generating offense for this team, especially when you have, you know, a Tommy Edmond and a Colton Wong both in the lineup. Right, right. You know, it's not like it's you're swapping one for the other. It's having them both in there as options. So, yeah, the, the Arenado change was significant, and he's been a lot of fun to watch, but we always knew that it was going to take more than just adding Arenado to make this lineup formidable from top to bottom, and it was probably going to take someone who could slide into that number two spot, which allows you to push everything else down, which keeps Paul DeYoung from having to be the cleanup hitter, and then you move pieces around from there. So to answer your question, how you fix it, uh, I'm going to go back to <laughs> what uh, Mr. John Mozalak said about last season, which was uh, they need to be better by being better. And, uh, well, we all know how that worked last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you know, again, it is early. We're talking about a team that's five and four, but there's only one game out of first. Um, remarkably only two games out of last because the Pittsburgh has beaten the Cubs two out of three. That's mm-hmm. always nice to see. Um, yeah, Paul DeYoung, you know, hit the two home runs in the second game in, in Cincinnati. But since then, you know, the stats were flying around this afternoon. He's like 0 for 23, 0 for 24 with 11 strikeouts. That's that's rough. Um, and especially when he's sitting there in that, you know, we saw it yesterday where the, the Reds or the Brewers had second and third, two out, and it, Basically, I'm really honestly surprised I didn't intentionally walk Arenado. Um, they basically did because they knew that Paul Young, Paul DeYoung, wasn't going to hurt them, and he didn't. He struck, you know, struck out all three pitches. Um, I don't, I, I don't know what that deal is, but you know, again, Paul DeYoung is a guy that has not. Well, very rare. I guess he got to sit down maybe yesterday after a while after the game got out of hand, and Sosa may have played a little bit, but doesn't get a whole lot of days off. Um, and so he's going to have to hit. Uh, I just don't, I mean, if he, he, I don't, it's not like Matt Carpenter who has stopped hitting, but is really kind of relegated to the bench. There's nothing else they could do with Paul DeYoung. He has to hit. And, you know, early returns are not great. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. I know Mike Schilt says a lot of positive things out to the press, some of which are very head scratching. <laughs> um, but I don't know how many of those he actually believes. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't. He's not going to say, "Wow, Paul DeYoung is bad <laughs> right now." Um, but he may be thinking it. You know, and they're trying to figure out something behind the scenes, and hopefully something clicks. Like you said, DeYoung's been streaky. Maybe he'll get onto one. Yeah, it would be nice. It would be nicer if he could be less streaky and a, a little bit more consistently, even if it's in the middle of those two right. things. That that would be great, at least to start from. But it's, I will say, although I admittedly have not been able to, to watch a whole lot of the game's to this point this season in part because uh you know Bally Sports and Metronet can't figure out that I do in fact get the channel as part of my uh television package I don't know what they think happens to it but it doesn't want to play along so it makes it a little harder to watch Fox on any Sports, given that day. Bally thing is something totally different I know I know yes yeah. so it's just I, I don't know they have to figure it out but nonetheless um I Having not seen as many games, it's a little hard to say this, but I I would say I think it's fair to suggest that we're still seeing some of the same patterns that we've seen out of some of these hitters 
for the last couple of years, and those patterns are not effective. So it's a little frustrating. And look, to some degree, you are who you are as a hitter once you get to this point in your career, right? There's not necessarily an endless number of ways to continue to adapt and continue to grow and continue to change who you are as a hitter. And if this is who Paul DeYoung is, well, then the Cardinals maybe need to start adjusting his role or what the expectations are there according to the way he's he's proven himself to to hit and that doesn't mean he isn't a benefit or an asset or or great at times but it means he's not the consistent force that you would like to see (laughs) hitting behind the consistent threat at least hitting behind uh, Nolan Arenado so uh, some of the similar patterns are a little frustrating and certainly concerning early in the season yet another year into this idea that well the the offense is just going to get better and, and I don't I don't know if I don't know if we we really buy that anymore yeah and especially since I mean I know that um Francisco Lindor is off the market but there are some shortstops coming up this <laughs> off season um you know if DeYoung can't figure it out I mean that's a situation with the Cardinals where I have to look. I know they've still got him under contract, but you know, maybe you go that way. I don't know. That's a long way down the road and hopefully not a situation that we'll have to really worry about. You know, one of these things that when August comes around, because can you believe we were worried about Paul DeYoung? <laughs> hopefully that's the case. Um, we've still seen a little bit of trouble. Now Tyler O'Neill, who had a really bad stretch in Miami, um, gets hurt yesterday. He goes on the IL. <laughs> Bad stretch, up, literally. Literally. <laughs> I I did not mean that, but I'll take it. It feels like something I would say. Yeah. Um, so, and so the, now I've completely <laughs> lost. Uh, D- Lane Thomas comes up. What do you think? I mean, one for three today. Do you think, I mean, he's pretty much going to get time with the way things are. I haven't heard anything about Harrison Bader feels like Bader's at least, you know, two or three weeks away. Dean and Williams are kind of going to mix in that ma- in there too, but it feels like Clayton Thomas is really going to get a run. Can he capitalize on that? I think he absolutely can in terms of this is a perfect opportunity. Similar to the Oviedo opportunity today uh, for Lane Thomas, the, the organization was already high on him in previous seasons last year did not go well for him, especially, you know, after dealing with COVID and and not really ever getting back to any sort of form Um, this spring training, he wasn't as impressive as he's been in years past either. And there was a bit more competition for that spot. So I was a little surprised he was left off the opening day roster. Maybe that was enough of a, an additional motivator, though I doubt he needed it to make sure that he takes full advantage of this opportunity so that he isn't the guy that's sent down when Tyler O'Neill is back or when Harrison Bader is back, he's going to want to keep his spot on that, that major league roster. And this is the way he can earn it. And uh, look, as much as I want Tyler O'Neill to be the guy that we all think he might have the potential to be, um, you know, the, the corner outfield positions are anything but claimed at this point, I would say. And while I fully expect Tyler O'Neill to get more opportunity than he has in the past, Lane Thomas has an opportunity to really 
challenge that and make sure that one of those two corner outfield spots has his name in pencil next to it more often than not. We've seen him with that sort of burst of potential, but we haven't seen it last. Again, the consistency, not not always there. So can he take advantage of the opportunity? Absolutely. We've seen that that talent there. Um, but for whatever reason, <laughs> it seems like very ta- talented outfielders get to the, the corner outfield positions for the Cardinals and just like stop hitting. So <laughs> I don't know what is sucking the life out of the, the bats for the, the outfielders for the Cardinals, but hopefully Lane Thomas is immune to it at this point. Yeah, it's and, and this transitions, I think, uh, to the the upbeat thing that we need to end the show on. You know, we have been concerned about that a lot over the last few years of people coming into this organization and you know having a great track record and then not hitting and that's kind of you know coming up from the minor leagues having a great track record not hitting no and arenado hits (laughs) it's uh, uh, another hit today nine straight to start his cardinal career the longest cardinal career starting streak ever which is maybe cherry picking who knows but still um Hitting 333, two home runs, including a dramatic one on opening day at home. It's so great to have somebody come in and kind of live up to expectations yeah. immediately. Paul Goldschmidt had a good year his first year, but wasn't necessarily, you know, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Nolan Arenado feels like Nolan Arenado. Yeah, and I think it's even more enjoyable when you can kind of contextualize it with all the people who said well but Coors or well his home road splits or well this or well that and maybe he hasn't maybe he won't hit as many home runs in St. Louis as he did at Coors but that doesn't mean he isn't going to be just as valuable and just as exciting to watch because the ballpark is different it plays different it's not a hitter's park regardless of altitude and he's still going to make it happen. Um, I think that the energy level has been really different with Arenado as well, even in guys like Goldschmidt and, you know, the, the brawl in Cincinnati, we don't need to rehash all of that except to say Arenado is as spirited as Yadier Molina and (laughs) perhaps a bit more spry. (laughs) So there's a lot of intensity and a lot of energy that comes from having him as part of this team. And I think, you know, it's always interesting when you you talk about clubhouse dynamics and how much that really matters, right? But there has been a difference in my mind in kind of how far down the roster that extra burst of adrenaline or competitiveness seems to go we've seen more emotion out of Paul Goldschmidt than we're used to seeing and you know a bit comically as well because it's just so foreign to us watching him but the 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 back and forth uh with with Yadier Molina and even some of the the guys on the bench like a a Matt Carpenter type there's so much energy and there's so much intensity in their competition level that it feels like that has taken a whole step up which is exciting to see in a different way than just the excitement of Nolan Arenado continuing to hit like Nolan Arenado is expected to. And I think that's, you know, you could argue that that's part of why they won a couple of those games, especially in Miami when they were down late, they did give up. They didn't just kind of have those 
terrible at bats that honestly we've seen in times, you know, where the bats just are completely silent. They, you know, they fought for everything, even in the last couple of days. Um, today, they got down seven to nothing and they put, you know, put together a, a bit of a rally. It didn't, you know, kind of work out as well and, and they couldn't do much more, but it wasn't just a complete, oh, well, this game is, is over. You know, you had that idea of, well, maybe they could put something together because there is a li- enough of this offense that you start wondering. So I think it is. And maybe that's part of people like DeYoung's problem. We, we talked about DeYoung not having pressure on him, but maybe there's more to try to live up to those guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. especially when you're hitting behind them to, you know, you know, these guys are giving everything and you don't want to let them down. And honestly, you're right. After that fight, I don't think anybody wants to let <laughs> Nolan Arnado down. No, or or be the guy on the other side of the fight that, that picks a fight with Arnado Stevens. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. He is an intense, intense guy that seems to form attachments very, very quickly. And, yep. and thank goodness he has been attached to the Cardinals. So uh, look forward to seeing him. The Cardinals will play the Nationals uh, starting tomorrow night. Um, and then I'm not exactly sure who comes after that one. Um, I want to say Philly? Philly. I think you're right. I think that's right. So um, and I think they get to do a tour of the NL East for a little mm-hmm. bit of time. Yep. So um, hopefully we're talking next week. Maybe they'll win on the weekend just to <laughs> although some good news. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, you know, I hope that doesn't mean that they lose during the week. So True. let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, maybe kind of break up that those wins and losses a little bit. So uh, until then, Tara and I will be with you next week to talk about that run through the NL East. Uh, And until then, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.